I'm still learning, especially about social media. I'm probably not the per- best person to have a look, but I'm looking at other accounts and seeing what they do. And yep. at the moment, I would say I'm still in the testing mode, what kind of works better. Sometimes you think, yeah, I've got this video, this very technical video on how to do a move in rugby, and you think it's going to go really well, and it doesn't. Yeah. Quite yeah. funny. Welcome to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. Every week, I host live chats via our YouTube channel with leaders in the AFL and high-performance industries. Join me live every Sunday at 6pm where I debrief the recent chats and announce the upcoming guests. We drop an inspiring and educational episode every Monday. If you like the show, please follow us on your favourite podcast app. Hi, I'm your host, Jack McLean. Today, my guest is Luke Rooney. We discuss the challenges and rewards for setting up a scalable online coaching business. Luke is a former professional rugby union and league player and founder of Rugby Pro Academy. During his playing days, he had a decorated career playing predominantly as a winger and NRL premiership player for the Penrith Panthers, represented Australia six times and played five state of origin games for New South Wales. Luke has transitioned well from a pro athlete to coaching, working in environments ranging from elite sport, high school, and running his own business, Rugby Pro Academy, which helps rugby players turn pro. Located in Melbourne, Australia, he's dedicated to providing hands-on training to individuals who are interested in the field of rugby and is dreaming to be a professional. Highlights from this episode. We discussed Luke's highlights and biggest challenges during his pro playing day, why he valued individualization from a strength conditioning point of view, how to keep up with the social media to market your business, and why he turned a regular personal training business into Rugby Pro Academy. Let's get into today's episode with Luke. Hope you enjoy. Welcome, Luke. Thanks for jumping on, mate. Thanks, Jack. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Like in the background, is that the iceberg theory of success it, there? It the- is. I'll put it up. Yes. Nice. Yeah, that's up there. It's good eyesight there. I've used that visual many times, I think, in presentations. I love the- It's always the- good to have there, isn't it? Yeah. hundred oh, percent. Take us back to the very beginning, mate. At, at what age did you discover that you had a passion and also the talent to be a, a pro athlete first and then- at what point did that sort of switch towards wanting to be a coach? Yeah, I've always loved sport. Since I think I started playing rugby, it was rugby league. I'm from Western Sydney and there's absolutely no really rugby there. I th- you couldn't even get a game of AFL. This was back in the 80s. So it was all rugby league territory. I think I started when I was five, playing at five, because my brother played and just loved it, but also loved doing athletics as well. So probably I would even say I... I wanted to be a runner before a rugby league player. I was doing 400, 800s till I was about 15, I think 15, 16, going quite well. In the off-season, I'd be playing rugby league because they went to went well together. Um, and then at 16, I had to make a choice to either really have a go at running, doing a 400 metres, or I got picked for a side called Herald Matthews for Penrith Panthers. It was like the big side, biggest side you can make, and it was like a 10, 10 season, like 10 games in a season. So I had to make that choice and I thought I'm enjoying the rugby league at the moment, especially because my mates were playing. So I went with rugby league and haven't looked back since. Really just always loved rugby league. Started to get into weights because I was more of a runner. I think I put yep. in about 10 kilos over 12 months. And then yeah, that's wow. when I started flourishing a bit more on the footy field because I wasn't this tall six foot three, 70 kilos guy running the ball anymore. It's just a bit bit heavier. And we had a good season there and then got caught up to the under-18s when I was 17. And we actually won the comp in that year. That was for the SG ball for Penrith Panthers. We won the comp. And then after, that's when it all came quickly. And I was in the first division, which is like the second division, played Penrith Panthers. 
And six months later, I got my shot up playing the NRL. So all happened quite quick. So I was 18 when I made my debut in the Penrith Panthers. Quite scary, but really enjoyed. So I've always wanted to play professional rugby, but to be, to be honest, it wasn't until I was 16 that I thought I could actually have a go at it. There's a lot of people who had a lot more talent than me, but one thing I suppose I, I bring to the table is I was always wanted, I was very competitive, always wanted to win every race, every drill we could do in, in the sessions. And I suppose that hard work paid off and made my debut at 18. Two years later, sorry, three years later, we got to win the comp, in the NRL comp with Penrith Panthers, a team I always wanted to play for. I grew up there and there was about six or seven players who I grew up with since I was 12. So we all won the comp together. Oh, wow. Made it quite special because you don't get yeah. that often. And then was lucky enough to play for New South Wales, which is one of the biggest things you can play rugby league just because of the sheer size of it and the TV and it's massive. Got to play for my country. And then after about 140 games, I had the choice to go to rugby union in France. So I went over there, played some union for another six years and came over, played for the Melbourne Rebels as well, played in New Zealand. So I've been all over the place, but had a really good career, a 14-year career, and my, I can still walk, so I'm all right. Yeah, my body's not too, not too bad. Yeah, no, if you can get through the short sessions, you're going really well. That's it. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic, mate. Like, it's For the athletes tuning in, you mentioned that moment where 16, you started to really get the belief, and I guess confidence comes with that as well, so that you could make it pro. Was that being invited to certain squads, elite squads or that help with that or is it yeah. um, particularly the development that you're seeing in your game? Talk us through that light bulb moment where you thought this is something I can really make to the top. Yeah, as I said before, it was good. that's why I really love strength and conditioning as well because I was coming from a running background so my speed was pretty good. My fitness is always good. But it just kind of lacked that power and size that you need for rugby. Yeah. As soon as I started hitting weights, yeah, I just – it just my performance went through the roof straight away. Mm-hmm. Then you'd get coaches coming down saying you're going really well. We won the comp when I was 17. It was under 18s. I was playing up in age. But then I, the coach of the NRL, Roy Simmons, said, if you want to come, well, I was still at school. He said, you got school holidays for two weeks. If you want to come in for two weeks, just train with the big boys. You're more than welcome to. And I just jumped at the opportunity. And in that two weeks, just being surrounded by a group of players, and you see the confidence they had. And the professionalism they had going into what the training, the nutrition, even off the field recovery sessions and everything. I learned a lot and it gave me a lot of confidence and I just snowboard and snowboard. But one thing that they taught me is you just have to work really hard and put everything you've got into it. It might not happen, but at least you can say, I went all out at it. And that, like referencing that point that you made from the strength issue point of view, you had fitness, obviously 400, 800 meters, you need that help, heaps that speed endurance, which would help with rugby, but then obviously the speed and your call. So I imagine stride length would be an issue with your acceleration and top end, but building that size and strength. So how did you go about still sharpening your strengths while working away an area that you hadn't done with obviously being a track and field athlete, you hadn't been exposed to much gym work. How did you still focus on your strengths during that time while topping up your weaknesses? I think that's what I really loved about SSC is at the start, because I haven't had that strength behind me, I got mm. this quick, the performances went through the roof. And I was Media quite, results. And it, yeah, the results came quite quick, especially for that from me or even, yeah, 16 to about 22, 23. Were, and I've always been quite a lean athlete, even if I went to like we had other coaches, other S&C coaches, they would look at me, they're like, oh, you're too skinny to play rugby. Even if I play five years NRL, you're going to put size on. 
And I find my performance going down because everyone wanted me to just put size on. And I was doing always the hypertrophy, the 12 reps, the 10 reps, where me as an athlete, I had to really get into how stuff, you know, doing under five reps, getting that strength going. And I found it really got me interested in how my body reacts to different kind of stimuluses at training. For me, I found me doing, trying to always get bigger in my, because I was a winger fullback my speed would always go down. Where mm. I had a preseason where a, a coach really understood me, especially SNC guy understood me, he'd be working on what I really need to be working on. And is that my, what I bring to the table is my strength and that's my speed. You know mm. what I mean? Stuff like that, going up for high balls, being really getting through the tackle where I found if I got too heavy, I just couldn't bring anything. I was slow. I was all right during the contact. But then I was quite tired after that as well. So I think going back and seeing what worked for me, and sometimes yeah. when you listen to S&C guys saying, and they don't really know you as much, this was back in the day, this is a long time ago, so it's not like now where all the S&C coaches are on board. They might just look at or the coach might look at you and say, look, you're way too skinny, you need to put weight on. But mm. I was no good being a bit too heavy to the team. I couldn't bring mm. anything to the team. I think always working on your strengths, building up those weakest, but always look at your strengths, what you're going to bring to the team, what you can bring to the table. And then your confidence goes up and everything goes up. And then that's when you can start working slowly, slow on your weaknesses. Yeah, it sounds like common sense. No point turning a winger into a prop. But, it, but in terms yeah. of your, the reason you play that position is because of your strengths. But then, like you said, it's finding that balance of the hard work and still working on the weaknesses. You're not ignoring them, but you're still working yeah. on them. You put on 10 kilos. Uh, and that's, I imagine, set yourself up. And then, but ultimately, for you to play at your peak, it sounds like focusing on your strength and power, like you said, it really helped the game, helped the team. And I, I could tell straight away preseason, the work we did, we had a good preseason. I was ready for a big year. Just running me into the ground for ages and not really working on speed and just trying to make me a bit bigger. It didn't get me anywhere. But if I had a preseason where, you know, I was working on my one RMs or two RMs and doing some fast weights, really good technique, sprints, and being a big guy, my acceleration really, uh, it took me a while to get going, working yeah. on that acceleration wonders to my game and that's why that's what my love like i love rugby and i love coaching rugby but that's where i got the the love of the strength and conditioning and how important it is with you with what you're trying to do at the training yeah 100 that's great advice for the athletes listening in and, and makes a lot of sense in terms of why you got a passion for coaching and the, the experiences in terms of individualization and knowing the athlete thinking of who's in front of you and adapting your methods to who you're trying to serve and help out. At one point in your career, did you start to think about coaching? Was it post-career? Was it in between while you're still playing? Talk us through yeah. that transition. When I was younger, I never thought I would get into coaching. It just wasn't for me until I went to rugby union at 27 and I went to France, came back to Melbourne. And the last time I went to France, I just did some defense drills with the rugby league team in France, the top team up there, and just really enjoyed it. And I thought I, I had a lot I could give as well. I definitely had to work on how I, I had things in my head, how it should go. But talking to athletes is different than you doing, giving good cues. And it's taken me a while to improve the way I speak to athletes. Not that I was ever bad, but there's a way you can speak to athletes and you can get across what you need to get across in 30 seconds instead of four or five minutes. Yeah, uh, for sure. It's, I'm still learning, but I love to learn and try to be the best I can be at coaching. But I think just at the end of my career, thinking I've got, a, I still got a lot to give. I can, I still want to be in the game. I have a big love for the game and I want to see other people achieve what they want to achieve and reach their goals. I really enjoy seeing other people, if they put that hard work in, what they can achieve. 
What about strong influences, mate, both from an athlete growing up and as well as a coach from your, your coaching philosophy? Like you talk about the importance of communication and the skills yeah. that comes with being a coach. I think I've had so many coaches over the years and really successful coaches. I think just the way they speak to you, the, the way they make you feel as a person beforehand and then the coach in second. So you always say per, person's first and the player after. I think that mm-hmm. went a long way for me, the way I coach. With external cues, the Winkleman, Mike Warsi's the Winkleman. Yeah, yeah. The external, I really found when I picked his stuff up and I got his book, his external things and cues really helped. Even mm-hmm. if it's sometimes not strength and condition, I could put it in the rugby thing and it works really well. I've had people like you as well. I, I have a look at the podcast and listen to all of that. And I do have my favorites. I'm into Exos as well. They're always good to have things like that. But I've been lucky enough to have some pretty good strength and conditioning coaches and rugby coaching. I just found what I got out of it is they actually understood what I was coming from and where I was yeah. coming from and where I wanted to go. And then when that's on board and then you build the trust and then you can really flourish together and you can reach the goals together. So, mate, so important to, to recognise, like you said, put people first. That's who we're working with. No, there's not one way that works with everyone. You've got to everyone. find different methods for different athletes and what's going to resonate and the importance as well from, the, 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 from going back to the relationship side, building that trust. That's something that yeah. can't get missed. What about from going over your career from a playing days? What were some of your most significant challenges that you faced? I imagine playing at that level, there's things like whether it be you dropped from the first team or injuries. There's a fair million of challenges that come through with playing, like you mentioned, well over a decade of playing at the highest level. And what did you, how did you learn and grow from those challenges? Yeah, there's a lot. 14 years, there's a lot of challenges. And when I came into Penrith, first year we got the wooden spoon in 2001. So we came last. The next year, we came second last or third last. So it was quite hard when you see the fans at you and things just aren't going right, even though you put in the work. And then the next year, we actually won the comp. So yeah, crazy. What a turnaround. I've had a bit of a career where I've gone really down to up to down. And I think it's quite stressful being a player. And I mm. think you have to really know your emotions, take control of them, and understand the way you, you're, why you're feeling this way. And when you are in a rut, the, the best thing is just trying to really think about the basics. Think about your strengths, what you can bring to the table. Because if your mind's going everywhere, I need to bring all of these different things. Your energy goes where, you know, where you're thinking at, you know what I mean? Mm. For me, getting out of ruts like even injuries, just thinking, okay, it's going to take six weeks to get away from this injury, but I can still work on other things. I can work on some video work, other things, no mobility work. Always just trying to get me a bit better. Builds that confidence up. And then athletes, do come like that. That's a thing. But good players, you see them all the time. Sometimes a year they might have a bad year. It's not because they all of a sudden just became a bad player. Yeah. It's something mental. And it's such a huge, and you'll know as well, it's such a huge mental game, mindset game, not within yourself, but trying to get over your opponent as well. <laughs> I've had some, yeah, pretty hard ones. And my, I suppose my biggest injury I had was a fusion in my neck. And being in rugby, it's quite contact. So I think that took me a good year and a half to really get over and be confident getting hit again because it's the first time I kind of, oh, this could go wrong sometimes. So it's, it was not, I was never invincible, but when you're young, you feel like nothing can really happen to you that bad until it does. And you're like, oh, wow, it really opens your eyes. But I think to be, no matter what you're doing at any level, it doesn't matter if it's sport or business, or whatever, if you've got a strong mindset, mm. you can get through everything and be positive, always looking at the positive side. Yeah, it's a great mindset, mate. The, the 
not just focusing on the injury, but also looking at how you can be a better rugby player throughout that rehabilitation process. I think a really important insight into an elite mindset and a growth mindset, which gets talked about a fair bit these days and the importance of as well as of learning yeah. and at, whether it be business or at, from an athlete perspective, it just keeps you hungry to put in the work. Whereas if it's just work for the sake of work and it's not getting you anywhere, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Oh yeah. yeah. And what about on the flip side, mate, highlights of your career, uh, a couple have been mentioned, obviously six or seven mates that you grew up with since 12 years of age and then you win a, a premiership together, that would be a magic one. But talk, maybe shed a little bit more light about how special that was for you, but other highlights that you that, that you look back on fondly. Yeah, that, that was definitely a highlight. And especially coming from last two years before to second last and then to winning it was enormous. That was definitely one of the huge highlights for me. As I said, I'm from Penrith. I never wanted to play for any other team. It was always Penrith. And to win it with my mates that have grown up, with and put the hard yards in. It was amazing. I think playing Stone Rosen was is was huge. Mm-hmm. She's sheer size that everyone's talking about, not as much in Melbourne, but if you go to Sydney and Queensland, it's just absolutely Everything. huge. And I yeah. remember growing up, that's what you look forward to. You come home from school thinking, oh, Oregon's on, here we go. Like it was this big builder. But that was one of my highlights. It's playing for my country was unreal. So that was great. And it was good to go on a kangaroo tour. We went to the US, we went to England and France. And being actually to being able to travel the world was great. But then even going to Union and playing in France and playing in Italy, and you get to go to South Africa and play at these different places. And you, you're with these, you build these friendships you have for life because you're all away from home, you're playing overseas. And I think when you look back five, 10 years on from your career, it's more about the connections you make that made it so important. Yeah. And I still have, I'm still friends with them pretty much with everyone since my first season in 2001. Yeah. I think really reflecting, it's more about the connections. That's awesome, mate. Yeah, thanks for sharing. Moving over to a key topic for today, really moving into the business side of things, maybe give us a bit of an intro about Rugby Pro Academy, when it started, and what was your real motive for creating your business? It's I've had Rugby Pro Academy for a while. So I've had it for about two years, thinking I might do it, but it was never like a big thing, like I'm really going to go towards this. It was like opening maybe a little Wix website and an Instagram account doing once every two weeks or something. So I wasn't really, I had it there, but I wasn't really pushing. And then since COVID hit and then I see other people doing other things like yourself would prefer like a problem. I really want to, I do miss the game a lot. And I, mm-hmm. I miss, oh, I've got another PT business as well, but it's not, it's just not the same as coaching young rugby players. So the, I think four or five months ago, you know, I rang you and said, how did you get started and all of that? And, what's the best route to go? Because I just thought, let's really try and have a go at it as much as I can because I've still got other things to do. I've got a nine-year-old boy as well. Time's tough. But I've really enjoyed it. I've actually really enjoyed it. It's been great. I'm only starting and I want to put more time into it. And I think I will. And I've I'm, just been learning so much, especially social media. I've never been into that. But it's quite fun learning and seeing. We said before, I was talking to you before about you feel like you put so much work in and not, nothing's going really well. And then all yeah. of a sudden something will come up and you go, oh, wow, it's, it is working. It just, you have to be consistent. At the moment, I'm enjoying it, mate. Yeah. Ah, well, it's awesome, mate. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. I think no doubt there'll be some strength conditioning coaches, personal trainers, maybe physiotherapists that run their own business. Uh, and it's something they've thought about doing. Perhaps they're employed 
and they don't need to market in their own leads, but they're pretty confident in what they do and the value they bring, but they haven't taken that plunge yet. You, you mentioned how it was something that you were doing for, over the last couple of years, but then there was that moment, the last sort of five months where you've taken it to that next level, which obviously I've seen firsthand in terms of, yeah, with when you're starting things like TikTok, which not a lot of people are doing yet, but the sooner you start, probably better. And there's nothing that you, as soon as you find something that you know that's going to bring value, you, you dive straight into it. Very similar to imagine how you would approach your, your athletic career in terms of working hard and you talk about how important consistency is. But yeah. from that moment where you're like, oh, you knew there was a motive, which is working with athletes opposed to just as a personal training business, what was the plunge? What was the moment where you really just said, okay, I'm going to start social media. I'm going to start building a website. I'm going to start with you building a apparel like you're wearing the Rugby Pro Academy t-shirt now and really yep. building the fundamentals of the business model up. I think it's just a me- – to be honest, I should have started a long time ago. I think it was just a mental shift for me. Mm. It's like I, I love doing a PT, but I really miss rugby. And then when I spoke to you, you gave me uh, just confidence. You're doing something you love. You want to give back to the game and these players. I mean, just – I think for me it was just to enjoy it, really. Mm. I, I just uh, – the only thing was flicking up the switch was like – I'm not thinking about I want to make this huge business. I just want to just to actually enjoy it. And if I can make a bit of money, that'd be great with it as well. Yep. But for me, it was just a flip saying, I want to do something I really want to enjoy. And I think another thing that I found I got back from it is I'm going through film clips. I'm doing more film clips about rugby, about S&C. So I'm learning so much. Yeah. Um, So it's not only I'm building a business, I'm learning more about rugby because I'm happy to have a look at that and then speak to players, groups of players, and tell them, you know, maybe we could have done it this way, maybe we could have done it that. Strength and conditioning. And then also, I'm in front of the camera a lot more with TikTok and stuff like that, which I've never done. I did interviews playing rugby, but it's put me in a position where I'm like, only good things can come out of it. And another thing, I've just started a podcast and you know, the connections you make just through doing podcasts or you might have never spoken to someone for 20 years and you say, I'll do your podcast and it's good to keep those connections. I thought there's only good positives that can come out of it. So for me, it was just a flick of the switch and I've really enjoyed it. And I think I can make something like a Rugby Pro Academy to be respected and people say, I know this is a really good training platform if you want to reach that next potential. Don't you have to go pro, maybe you just want to make the school top 15 side or something like that. But uh, yeah, that's what I'm trying to create. And I'd say just a flick of a switch and just be confident in your abilities and what you know. You'd be surprised. Even the littlest things, some people not might not know about it because they don't have that experience because players, you don't know what you don't know. Maybe they haven't been in, they just haven't been in that environment where they've learned these little things. Don't underestimate your strengths, I'd say. Yeah, 100%. Well said, mate, it's uh, for someone like yourself that had the experiences that you've had and been in the high-performance environments to share, and that's probably one of the beauties of today is that you can actually give people insight from just using your mobile phone and a computer and away you go, like you've created a podcast and uh, yeah, all the different social media platforms, YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, and it makes things pretty accessible. And for those that obviously want to get more out of the coaching and the programming, then they can sign up. So in terms of services, what are some services that you provide through the academy? I would do some online. So we do like online, a big rugby pro academy. So it covers everything from mindset, rugby, S&C, and then nutrition recovery. So that's like the big, I definitely want you to be in there for 12 weeks and we do a 12 weeks. You can continue on that, but that's the main kind of rugby pro. But then we'll have, we have online programs, S&C programs. If you, you might have a team that you might train two, three times a week with your team, but you don't really have a strength and conditioning 
from mm-hmm. a program. We do that as well. We also do schools, Scotch College. We do a Scotch College pre-season in a couple of weeks. That'd be fun. So, and then it's just one-on-one is, as well. You can have sessions on the field or sessions in the gym. So yeah, there's a lot of services going on. But as I said, I'm, I'm still starting and I feel like you go through all these things, you just get better and you can bring more to your services as well. And that's yep. what I really want. I want to make a, a great service that people really enjoy and go back saying I really got a lot out of that. Talking to yourself five months ago, so for the listeners that are thinking about it, they haven't. maybe they've set up a couple of accounts, but they haven't quite um, taken that plunge or they haven't had that light bulb switch that you, that you mentioned where you go all in and, and really spend consistent time on a week-to-week basis. Um, knowing what you now know, what would be some of the most significant challenges that you'd expect to face in hindsight uh, and how did you go about tackling those, those challenges? Uh, I don't know about for you, but... My computer skills are awful. So it just seems to me like everything to do with, I suppose it's like business and everything takes a bit longer than you actually thought and a bit more money. <laughs> yeah. But I'm sure if you put, that's the thing, if you go 100% in it, I'm sure it will pay off. Um, <laughs> I think upfront, you've got a bit of money, a bit of time into it, or mostly it is time creating these things. But sometimes it does get you down if you're not getting views on TikTok or Instagram. You're like, oh, people, they're really watching and that. But I think just being consistent and think if you'll put something good out there, things will come back and it'll work. But for me, just the main, the hardest thing for me was just saying that flick of the switch saying, let's just go all in. It doesn't Mm -hmm. matter, you know, how it goes. We'll see how it goes after a year or a year and a half or two. But I find that flick of the switch and that, Three or four months, I've put mm-hmm. a lot of work into it. I've already got the clients and it's actually working quite well. So I think it's just putting yourself out there, putting yep. yourself out there, saying I'm going to do this 100%. And as soon as you usually do that, it starts working out. It's when you dabble in things and go into it, but not is when you just get frustrated and you probably stop. Yep. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, mate. That's exactly how I felt once you take that plunge and yet and you do almost just go for it 100% full throttle and then just keep doing it day after day. It definitely reaps the benefits and probably transfers to a, to a lot of things in life. What about when you first six months, there's plenty to do and it's, it can feel overwhelming at times. How do you go about prioritizing? Um, I think you put it quite well earlier where you said, so we can take a little bit longer than you probably expect. So how do you go about managing those expectations and, and making sure the time you are spending is productive? It's yeah, it's been weird because especially starting a business, and I and that's why I like the prepare like a pro, like where on your website you show you what you need to do. So I was speaking to you, and we have meetings like, okay, you need to do this a website, then you need to put some TikTok podcasts would be great, and then it's quite tough doing that. But it always the time it gets easier and easier. Like podcast gets easier, it's quicker, everything's set up. Website set up, the services set up, the payments, you know what I mean? So as soon as you've got systems, mm. it, it gets a lot easier. With me at the moment, I'm more just trying to get people to know what my brand is. My big thing is just getting uh, content out there, getting people to know me because if they don't know you, you're not going to go far anyway. So I think my main priority is just getting the word out. And yep. even this off season, hopefully I do a good service and they can tell other people, they can tell other people. Then you see me on Facebook or YouTube. And so for me, it's just getting this brand out. Let's get this brand out for another six months and then we can have a look where we're going and what we need to do and we'll go from there. But yeah, it's just stuff with you has just been so helpful because without, without speaking to someone who's done it before, you're not sure where to go. Mm, just give yeah, you a, 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 good, a good arrow to go, okay, but do this and this. 
that will get me here and then I can build on from that. But I think having a bit of a mentor and someone who's been there and done it before, it takes off so much time and so much better. And that, yeah, I think that you put it quite well, that branding awareness and really putting the word out there of what you're doing and the services you provide. For those, might not be a fear thing. It might just simply be, oh, TikTok's not for me because I'm not an entertainer. I'm not going to dance. I'm not a comic. But you've put an educational spin on it. And I know those tactical videos that you put up, a lot of them have got a huge amount of traction. So that clearly putting out value you reap benefits from. But how do you go about thinking and creating ideas on, oh, this would be a good video to create here? And what am I going to, is it how much of it's structured? How much of it do you go with the flow and trial and test things? Talk us about, yeah, you've talked about systems before. Yep. Yeah, your process of creating content and to help build awareness of your brand. Uh, I'm, I'm still learning, especially about social media. I'm probably not the per- best person to have a look, but I'm looking at other accounts and seeing what they do. And yep. at the moment, I would say I'm still in the testing mode. What kind of works better? Sometimes you think, yeah, I've got this video, this very technical video on how to do a move in rugby, and you think it's going to go really well, and it doesn't. Yeah. Quite yeah. funny. And you might do an S&C thing where, like, you might do some tempo runs or, like, a, a bronco test, and that just goes through the roof. And you're like, but this is – you're thinking that's going to go well because that's so important. Yeah. Um, it's a weird one. So I'm still learning myself and I would say, especially our TikTok, because that's what's going, working the best. I don't really do a lot of Instagram just because I haven't had the engagement as TikTok. Yeah, I'm still learning and I'm still finding my feet and find what works for me and how I want to present the brand as well. I want to have good videos, not just trying to get likes. I want to have a brand, an educational brand that actual people come to see and come here to learn. For me, just learning off other people and learning off myself, knowing what kind of work and going towards another video towards that instead of just keep going the same videos and not getting much reach. But I find, yeah, it's pretty easy to see what works and what doesn't. And you just try to ride that wave and then try to go on something else and see how it goes. But for me, if it's educational, usually I get pretty get some good likes in that. Yeah. Yeah, there's a few things to unpack there, mate. It's I think the approach of how you said like Instagram wasn't quite working for you, wasn't getting momentum. So it's not like you've stopped it, but you're shifting majority of your focus to what was working, which was tick and those testing some S and C with some tactical and trialing and testing things, which is probably at the end of the day what we're all doing. I imagine if you've been doing this for ten years, to those who are doing yeah. it six months to one month, it's all about testing because it seems like the algorithm changes all the time. For from a for those listening in that what type of equipment have you invested in from a financial point of view for someone that wants to take this step in setting up their own online coaching business? What do you need? Do you think there's a bare minimum to have a podcast, do t- and run your business coaching? I've tried to keep it pretty minimal. My finance worked. I suppose the biggest thing was the website to look quite professional. So I've got the website's just up now. I still needs a bit of changing that, but it's there, which is really good. I think the youth, the podcast, I had it. I used to be in a band, so I had a leftover microphone, so I didn't have to buy anything from that. But That's I think sweet. you can buy microphones for $80, $90 anyway. So yes, it's quite cheap now. Yeah. I think the biggest thing that I'll put in is pretty much, yeah, the website, which is not much. If you think you're going to try and create a business, a couple of grand here and now goes a long way these days. Um, yeah, like back in the day where it, it costs so much money for a, a really good website. So for me, yeah, I've used things I've had for years. Like I said, the microphone, my computer I've always had, and that's pretty much it. And then for my 
videos. And I just need to go on a footy field and do some videos in the footy field or take it to training. Or if I'm working at, at the gym, I'll take it to the gym and do some exercises in there. So the cost stuff is not too much. I suppose setting up the business is a bit different as well for the insurance type. If you want to build it like a brand, not just a sole trader, like stuff like that. But yeah, it's when you really think of it, it's not too crazy out there that you're going to be really struggling. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I think I said you can do it with a minimal approach and just start. And that's probably the key. And then as you go, you, if things are, you found what works well for you, you can invest. Yeah. And I think doing, I found doing some little courses on just investing in some courses on yourself, maybe social uh, media courses. It doesn't have to be much, but I think that goes a long way or marketing mm. things or branding things. Just from me, I was always a professional athlete. I never was into business or anything like that. So this is all new for me. I think just doing courses of trying to get your skills up. Because at the moment, you're a one-man show and you've got to do everything. You've got to do the accounts. You've got to do the content. You've just got to do everything. So me learning these business tricks and setting up accounts and that, um, it's tough. But I think putting in, did go in and go do a good course that, you know, that's, that pays off. Yeah. You seem to be pretty clear with your purpose, like knowing you know, what type of content you want to create, what's aligned with your brand, uh, who your niche is. So are you big on goal setting? Is that like a daily thing for you, weekly Monthly, do you not do goals at all? Talk us about how you set targets for your business and vision. I do set targets now. I've just started to because I found if I didn't set that target, the productivity just wasn't there. You know what I mean? Like it, yeah, hundred Other things get in the way. Yeah, we have to say, okay, I want to, and it might just be the process. It doesn't have to be a massive outcome. I want to get a thousand likes or so. Maybe it's just okay. I'm going to put twenty videos in the next two weeks or something of this content here. And I think if, if you do that little work every day, like we said, being consistent, usually mm-hmm. the rewards will come exactly mm-hmm. like being an athlete. And I've kind of took what I learned from rugby and put it into business. Okay, so I have to do this every day. And then in the long run, this will get me here. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I've put that in my thing. But goals at the moment, as I said, just brand awareness. Okay, I'm going to do 20, 20 email or emails every week to my clients who are on my email list or do extra YouTube things or maybe do two podcasts a week. I always try mm-hmm. to hit more being being productive. That, that's mm-hmm. my goals at the moment. But mm-hmm. at the moment, I'm trying to build that brand. So the more content I make, the better it's going to be. So that's where my awareness is and my goals towards that. Yeah. And for those listening in that might have a connection to a school or perhaps their son or daughters at a school, and this could be something that interests them, uh, bringing in the Rugby Pro Academy to run a pre-season that Scotch is doing. How did that look from a school setting? Is that yourself coming down coaching sessions? Is it other coaches? Is it a program to follow? Talk us through the ins and outs of what's... It just depends because Scotch College, it's hard before the insurance and that, and it's actually outside the co- the school. So oh, yeah. they'll come to me and I'll say, okay, we can't really do it through Scotch, but we can do it as called Old Scotch. And they might they'll employ me to go on the outside grounds at another place. And then mm-hmm. I'll do their pre-season. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the schools is different insurance. Maybe some other school might call you up and say, oh, you can use our grounds. You can do everything here. It just depends what you're after. But I suppose mm-hmm. that's what's good about the Rugby Pro Academy that we can do it anywhere. Yeah, flexible. Yeah. Very flexible. So if you can't do that at school, maybe you just hire, hire us to come out and do something at a local ground here. We can set up the weights. We've got a big van full of raw rugby equipment, weights and everything, rollers and everything. We're quite flexible like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, or even with clubs, rugby clubs, if they're always doing just the rugby stuff, they might want to 
employ me to come around and we'll do like a strength thing or stuff like that, which they can't really get. They don't have the facilities to do that or the personnel because they don't, they can't afford a strength and conditioning coach where I can come in and do the whole team. And yeah, so that, I think they get a lot out of that. Yeah. Yep. And in terms of the one-on-one work as well, is that something that you do in the gym, on the field, both? Talk us about how many athletes you work with, how many, and how you balance your schedule from a week-to-week basis from a coaching point of view with schools and PT work. The one-on-ones is more of in the gym, I would say, in the gym yep. or outside doing speed work mm-hmm. or even conditioning work. It's a bit hard to do the rugby one-on-one, so I usually try and hold a group, at least six people, so you can get some drills going in that. Yep. Uh, so my I'm all, a bit of all over the place. I have groups. I have a whole teams I have to do. And I might have a group of four in a gym. I'll train them for an hour. They might do a hypertrophy, strength and stuff like that, plyometrics, stuff like that. And then maybe the last half an hour, they might do skill session. Kind of broken up in two different things. that are still learning a lot about the rugby and the very basics. So at the moment, I'm over the place. Mainly the field sessions is usually six or more. That's the go. But in the gym... Uh, especially if you're starting out, it's good to have a coach who's right there with you, teaching your form, teaching you how to brace properly so you're not going to get injured or speed technique or stuff like that, which I quite like because sometimes I'm doing one-on-one, sometimes in the group. For me, yeah. I really enjoy that different kind of training instead of just always doing one-on-ones or stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, you got good variety. And I guess yeah. what we learned with the pandemic, it's probably pretty helpful to have a different revenue streams, whether it be yeah. online coaching to teams to one-on-one. Yeah. Flexible, adaptable. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Moving over to the personal side, mate, of the podcast. What's a favorite way you like to spend a day off? I've got a nine year old boy. So he loves going out to the park and running, playing rugby, kicking a soccer ball. So I'm always on my feet. That's for sure. Yeah. Soppy hybrid. That's an interesting model. It's a funny one. (laughs) Oh, I've never thought, because we were living in Melbourne, I thought there's no way he's going to get into rugby, but it must be in his blood. He just loves it. Yeah. Um, so it's mainly just being with him, really, because I'm so busy six days of the week, just taking it easy, yep. yeah, not doing much. I always still like to work out, so I always put a workout even on a Sunday, keep myself fit. Otherwise, I feel yeah really old and my body aches. So mm-hmm. definitely do something physical and out with him makes it, yeah, makes it good, but really just relax and enjoying family time. Yep. And what about pet peeves? What fires you up, whether it be in the gym, on the field, practical stuff or stuff in general in the industry? Is there anything that are your pet peeves, if you like? Not, no, I wouldn't say pet peeves. I don't really have any. I'm just trying to concentrate on myself, really. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I'm trying to think of pet peeves. You got me on a good one there. I, I'm trying to think. No, I don't think I, I probably do have some. I just can't think of some at the moment. In the gym, it's- I'm pretty, pretty relaxed. Oh, I've maybe been late when people were late for the sessions. Yep. <laughs> yeah, rock up. <laughs> Because I'm like, come on, because I w- always wanted to get in early and do just a bit of extras, maybe foam rolling or something like that, just a bit. So, yeah, probably being late. And what about what's on the horizon for you, mate? For 2022, we're now into November, so last sort of eight weeks of the year. What are some goals, perhaps, or just things you're excited about for the rest of the year for a rugby program? I think just getting a bit of traction now has been exciting. After months of putting some work in, put some content out, getting the website so I'm really, I've got a lot of clients now, some teams as well. So it's going quite well. I'm just going out there doing what I love to do, and that's coaching, which is really fun to do. So I'm really looking forward to that and actually putting even more time into now we've got some clients and put more time in the Rugby Pro Academy, which hopefully will build and build it up. So I've got two more months, but I reckon it'll be pretty proactive months. I can be great, especially mm-hmm. because in Australia, it's going to be in the preseason. 
So it would be a good opportunity to put myself out there even more and help some clubs or help some schools because it's hard. Rugby's not huge in Melbourne. It's, it's weird being in Melbourne running the Rugby Pro Academy. But then again, it's been good to have this website so I can do online training. So if you're in Sydney, yeah. if you're in England, I can reach people everywhere, which is really which what I love about the modern technology at the moment. You can reach people from all over the world. But I'm really looking for the next two months because I know I can put a bit more time into it. And I think it will just hopefully flourish from there. And for those that want to get in contact, Matt, perhaps Steve had set up some work or just to chew the fat or ask any follow-up questions from this podcast, uh, where's the best place to get in contact? And uh, you mentioned the website as well. What's the URL? Yeah. Right? It's just uh, rugbyproacademy.com. You can yep. get my email there and just uh, touch base with me, put in your email to me, come straight to me as well. So it's pretty easy to get in contact with me, tell me what you're after and that. But yeah, I'm here to help. Have a look at the website and see what you're after. Very good. Yeah, well, thanks so much for sharing with us, mate, over your professional athletic career, as well as being a coach from a technical point of view, and then now bringing in the hybrid of Rugby Pro Academy, where it's all come to feeding in from your athletic career, but also from a coaching perspective. So Really, thanks for jumping on, sharing with us. It's been inspiring to see your journey with something that I've resonated with in the idea about two years ago now and know the ups and downs journey that you mentioned, um, learning all these skills, having no marketing background, no business background, and just taking the plunge. And it's awesome to see you have a crack and starting to reap the benefits now as well. And it's only been four or five months. So exciting to see the future. Thanks for having me, mate. And thanks for everything. I really appreciate it. Awesome, Luke. And thanks for everyone that's tuned in. If you're tuned in halfway through, make sure to watch the full recording. Luke's dropped gems from the very start. So you can watch that on YouTube. And then we've got our next Prepare Like a Pro live chat show with Paul Devlin. He's a high-performance coach. That'll be this Thursday, November 1st at 1 o'clock. I'll see you guys then. If you enjoyed this episode and want even more, our academy is for you. The Prepare Like a Pro Academy is a platform that hosts exclusive features and bonus content such as Q&A segment, aimed at getting to know the guests on a more personal level. Here's an example with Emily Meehan, head sports dietitian from the Collingwood Football Club. What are things that, that fire you up? Oh, this one is always, uh, so I suppose it is, um, it'll be topical for most people, I think, but staying in your lane. And I yep. often find that with nutrition, everyone eats, so everyone has an opinion. And I think that's what really gets me fired up um, because so many people try and provide nutrition advice based on their end of one experience when they did intermittent fasting or keto or whatever it might be and then game changes yeah, game changes, whatever that might be and look it probably keeps me in a job but that it does drive me insane because yeah. sometimes the information can be so detrimental um, and opposite to what I've been working with my athlete or athletes and, you know, and because they hear it on someone's socials or through a documentary, it unravels everything that I've been working with an athlete for. Yeah, yeah. Another feature of our academy is the opportunity each week to join myself as co-host on the Prepare Like a Pro live chat show. Here's an example with academy member Rama Davies, the friendly conditioning coach at the Box Hill Hawks. Welcome, Rama, to the chat. Uh, Rama has also worked at, at Box Hill, or currently he's working at Box Hill Hawks with us, awesome. so he's another Box Hill man uh, in the strength and conditioning department. So I'll handle it over to you, Rama, to, to ask you a question, mate. Thanks for joining us. Excellent. Thanks, Jack. And, yeah, thanks, um, thanks Sam, for the chat. It was uh, I found it to be really insightful, plenty of gems in there. 
Um, and I enjoyed it a lot. Um, mate, my, my question to you was you spoke quite a bit about um, perspective during that chat. Um, and I was wondering what are some of the things that you either know or um, do physically that um, you wish you either knew or did uh, back at the beginning of your career? Uh, what are some of those things? Mm, yeah, good question. Um, yeah, so I suppose with perspective on life, um, that sort of point, um, it, yeah, certainly, yeah, has been massive for me now and, and didn't probably have that as much um, when I was younger. Um, I suppose one thing I might mention is, is gratitude. I spend a lot of my mm. time um, doing a lot of gratitude exercises, listening to podcasts, doing a, a journal every day just a bit to say what I'm grateful for, sort of three things. And um, that's a fantastic way that I've been able to, yeah, like reset and, and just kind of gain that gratitude and perspective about, you know, that there is more to life than football or, you know, might be whatever as an SNC coach, you know, if something's you're having a hard time, um, it can be massive with just, yeah, opening your eyes a little bit and losing that sort of tunnel vision or being stuck in that in that work bubble. Um, yeah. So that's that's been huge. Um, I think I wish back then when I was younger, I asked more questions and was a bit more open to different things. Mm. I think I was a bit single-minded back then and, um, you know, I thought there was one way of doing things and um, if I kind of didn't have that fear of, you know, asking a silly question or fear of judgment, it would have got me a lot further and I probably would have learned a lot quicker. Um, and, yeah. and yeah, like just, yeah, being open to sort of different things because um, you never know what you might find. It's just, yeah, there's so many people, like great people out there, knowledgeable people to learn off. And there's plenty more where that came from. If you would like to learn more, then enter patreon.com forward slash prepare like a pro or head to the link in our show notes. Thank you for listening to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. If you like this episode, it'd be a massive help if you could like, follow, rate, give a review, or even share with your mates. The show is recorded in Melbourne, Australia. Be sure to follow our Instagram page for all updates on our latest and greatest. If you would like to get in touch to suggest a guest or advertise with the Prepare Like a Pro podcast, please email me at jack at preparelikeapro.com. Thanks so much for tuning in.